A nature trail is more than a path. It's a place for laughter, self-reflection, and a breath of fresh air. All Trails Plus helps you plan your next hike so you can relax and enjoy the journey. Discover new trails near you with the distance away feature and get immersive trail previews and offline maps so you can take those exciting first steps with confidence. Get outside today with three free months of All Trails Plus. Just use code PODCAST23 at alltrails.com slash podcast. That's three months free at alltrails.com slash podcast with code PODCAST23. When we got Verizon 5G home internet, it sounded like it could handle all our needs. But one thing it couldn't handle was our frustration. And hey, we deserve reliable internet. It's time for better internet. Fast, reliable internet. Switch to Xfinity. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash Verizon 5G facts. friend uh, Jade Schlichting and we're here to talk about some shit. We're here to introduce her a little bit more. Um, she's going to be a repeat with us. Um, super excited to have her. She's great to talk to and has a lot of valuable stories for us. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to delve into a little bit, I uh, am excited to try out this repeat formula for a, a bigger reason. Um, one of the things that I want to accomplish in having these episodes is being able to learn why people are the way they are, right? Yeah. Okay. So in doing repeat with people, I get to delve into stories a little bit deeper every time. Good. It's going to get personal. Very personal. <laughs> and, and you're one of them. So I'm excited for that. Uh, there's going to be a couple other ones that are, that are going to join you in different days, but um, yeah, let's get into it. So you told me a little bit about uh, some of the things that you've done, moving back and forth, having different parents, stuff like that. Kind of the average childhood these days. Yeah. So where would you like to start? What is something that sticks out in your head? Where would be like a main milestone? Um, I'd probably say just being a child of divorce and... Um, <laughs> having to um, kind of go back and forth between different households, being ran different ways, mm-hmm. um, and just sometimes being put in the middle, whether they realize that they were doing it or not. Um, and I think being so young that the other parent was like, oh, well, they're, they're not paying attention to, you know, they they don't understand what I'm saying. But in all reality, you pick up on it you may not be comprehending to them and letting them know that you're understanding but you know when they're talking ill about the other parent they hear that and you know they kind of develop their own um i guess picture of that other parent than what they should be more as like getting influence from the other parent rather than just being like, oh, that's my mom, that's my dad, mm. you know? This feels like something, like, uh, one of the things I've come to realize as I've gotten a little bit older is uh, something that you kind of look past, something that you just kind of get used to, or, uh, you know, you learn to live with, but you don't realize the impact until you start growing up to a certain point. Yeah. And, it, and you realize, like, shit. 
And you, I feel like you'll definitely, um, when you start meeting people and getting to know, like, different personalities and different home lives, Mm -hmm. um, and you're like, wait, that's not how I grew up. (laughs) Like, I thought everybody grew up the way that I did, you know, because, I mean, ultimately, when I was little, like, I thought everybody had multiple grandparents and multiple, like, parents, you know? And, you know, they'd be like, oh, yeah, I only have two grandparents. I'm like, you have two grandparents, like... I have eight. Like, how do you only have two? <laughs> and it kind of, like, hits you, and you're like, okay, everybody does grow up differently, and then, um, I feel like until you reach, like, an age where you really start to understand, um, it can just cause issues, where it's like, well, I don't want to be, you know, just, like, little petty kid stuff, but it, I feel like, um, as you get older, like, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, like, I've had, like, the same best friend for, you know, however many years. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with you. Um, for a long time, I thought a lot of that stuff was normal. I didn't grow up necessarily the same way as you, but definitely in a very diverse family. Mm-hmm. And it's super annoying for me to realize as I'm getting older, like, shit, that was not fucking normal at all. Yeah. So after growing up with it a little bit, did you, did you kind of start to notice, even as a teenager... That there was differences? Yes. So, um, I'm trying to think of, like, what year it was. I can't remember. But when I was, like, um, nine or ten, I had, um, moved out here with my dad and my stepmom. And, um, with my mom, I'm an only kid. So, you know, growing up, my mom was a single mom. She, you know, would have to go to work. Sometimes she'd work two jobs. Um, I was a latchkey kid. So I was used to being by myself. Sure. Um, you know, get home from school. She was like, all right, you made it. All right, I'll see you in a little bit. Check in on you. Whatever. Um, when I moved out here, I turned into the oldest of, like, five. And all age, age groups. I mean, I was nine or ten, and the youngest, well, I guess the youngest one wasn't born yet, but um, the second to youngest, he was, he was probably, like, one or two. So Which I mean, is even crazier that there was another one. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> right? Um... And so they relied on us a lot to help, um, you know, babysit the kid, the boys, um, and, you know, help with dinner, help make sure that they get their homework done. So we took on, I feel like we took on a lot of responsibilities of, um, that we shouldn't have as kids, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and then the fifth one came around, Mm -hmm. Corey. Um, and at that point I was 13 and I was a freshman in high school. So... My dad traveled a lot for work. Um, Sarah, my stepmom, she, um, I think she finally got into the nursing program. So nursing program is so intense, you know, so she's studying all the time. So here I am, you know, helping take care of the other kids and then the baby. Yeah, so, yeah. um, and one thing I don't think that they realize is, um, I took him everywhere. You know, so we'd walk to the grocery store, we'd walk, you know, around the neighborhood and all that stuff, and the comments that I would get, like, you're, how old are you, and you already have a baby, and I'm like, it's my brother. Right. I mean, we look nothing alike, I mean, dark hair, all complexion, dark eyes, and he's blonde hair, blue eyes, and they still be like... But the automatic judgment was always there. Yeah. That's so insane to me. Yeah. And I'm just like, so, that transition was completely different and I don't think I didn't know how to handle it Mm -hmm. um 
and then even like growing up so I was always like afraid of my dad so I was just really? like yeah just because I felt like I was replaced at oh, such a young age I see and um I feel like nowadays like therapy towards kids like offered to for kids is a lot more common than it was back then I would agree with you so um you know my mom I got my mom is my best friend, so even to this day, I tell her everything. So back then, I would just cry to her and be like, I just don't understand. Why doesn't he want me? Why did he choose, like, in my mind, I, he chose Brittany, my sister, over me, mm -hmm. which is um, my stepmom's daughter. So she's my stepsister. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm like, why did he choose her over me? Just all these things, but my mom didn't know how to. All she could do is like, that's not that he loves you. He didn't choose her over you. But, I mean, no matter how much you reassure somebody, like, especially a little kid. I was, like, six, seven. Mm -hmm. um, it just, they, I don't think, you, we can't comprehend it. No. And so, I think that kind of had a lot to do with, um, with that as well. And I, thinking back about it, it honestly, like, breaks my heart. But there was this one comment that my mom had said. And she's like, I mean, as a kid, I was, I was a brat. I'm surprised I never got shipped off to military school with my mom. <laughs> um, but I was always testing her, um, talking back to her. And she was like, I don't understand why you give me this attitude and you put your father on a pedestal. And hmm. I just thought about that. Like, I didn't really think about it at the moment. And I'm like, I don't know, mom. And just like, left. I... Well, I think I, be, being that young, you probably don't even understand the full capacity of that statement. Yeah. You know? And I, so I think barely, I I probably would barely get it now. Yeah, and I it took me a while, and I don't know why I dwelled on it. Well, I mean I'm a, I'm an overthinker. I've always been an overthinker. <laughs> That's probably why. But I'm just like it. I don't know until I was like, I want to say I was like almost twenty, wow. and I was like telling my mom, and I was like, I need to talk to you about something. And she's like, okay. I'm like, I don't remember what the whole sit. I was being bad. I don't know what the whole situation was, but you basically asked me, like, why, you know, why are you act, act this way towards me but not towards your dad? And I told my mom that, and I was like, I never really understood it until recently, and I want to explain, like, why I would act the way I did. And it was because I was afraid of my dad. Because I didn't want him, he's finally in my life, I didn't want him to leave again. Right. So I didn't want to sit there and, like, you know be bad, talk back to him, um, anything like that, which it wasn't fair to my mom, but and this, this was these, these, this combination of having to grow up and, and, and take care of your, your, your siblings along with, um, feeling unwanted by a parent mm -hmm. was all in your teenage years. Yep. Oh, well, I feeling unwanted by a parent was ever since I was little, Right. but being added to, um, having to help take care of the kids. Right. Um, and my mom did not like it. She's like, you're a kid. Go do what kids are supposed to do. Oh. Like, so she was, she was, um, like, um, I don't want to say 100% against it, but she just didn't feel like it was right. And, um, so, but my mom, she... I think at whatever point, I think I was probably like maybe like 10 or 11 when I first got my phone, first cell phone. 
So my mom was like, okay, well, now you have a phone. I can contact you directly. I don't have to be contacting your dad, you know. So at that point, they, they're all communication between them stopped. And, Unless it was, like, serious. And we see having a, having your first cell phone is such a great thing. Mm-hmm. But not with those words. I know, right? <laughs> not with those words. Yeah. Um, so, and my mom was just like, I don't understand why they're putting all this on you. I just don't understand. I don't think it's right. And, you know, I'm like, I don't know. I, my motto at the time was, like, it is what it is. Like, I can't change anything about it. Mm. You know, I can sit there and say, like, oh, I don't want to take care of them. They're like, well, you're the oldest. You have to. We need your help. It's a family dynamic. You need to help. You need to step up more. And it, it's so crazy to me that, the, that there was a point in time where, you know, all that stuff stayed at home with a wife or a, a mother, mm-hmm. and there was one provider in the house. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've never seen an instance where that's worked out without being a huge stressor. Mm-hmm. So having to grow up that fast is so, oh, my gosh. The implications of that, especially growing up as a teenager like that. Yeah. And I feel like getting to miss out on certain things. Sure. Um, like, not saying that, I'm not condoning this, but like, you know, like high school, you go out and party with your friends and just do all this other stuff. Like, No, it's, it's making, it's, it's making choices to grow up by. Yeah. You know? And so I graduated when I was 17. So as soon as I graduated, I was out. I'm like, I'm going back to California. Mm -hmm. And then that's when I started partying and, you know, doing like things I shouldn't have been doing. You know, I was 17. My best friend was 16 at the time, but all her cousins were older. So, I mean, I felt like if I would have done it earlier, I probably would have not been doing it at that age. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, regardless, I should have been doing it at all. But, I mean, ah, you grow up. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's definitely something I can uh, relate with. Uh, I have a completely different reasons why well reasons excuses you know but uh i'm still i'm still i feel like the wild child i should have been when i was a youngster Mm -hmm. but it sucks for a lot of reasons to not be able to grow up when you're supposed to you know yeah and on that note now i actually kind of feel bad about my siblings (laughs) because i'm pretty sure they had to do the same thing for me (laughs) but that's wild yeah so after you had that conversation with her what did how did that go um, she was upset. She's like, you know, I, she was upset because of the situation, not because of, I dwelled on it for so many years, not because of her using those words. Was she like offended? Not offended. She was upset of the situation. She was upset that my dad made me feel that way. I see. That type of thing. My mom's very sympathetic. Uh-huh. Um, she takes on the emotion of things that she definitely shouldn't like that doesn't affect her but she's like i just feel so bad for them or whatever i'm like you know mom you it's not your fault Mm -hmm. you know you didn't make the choices that he made type of thing so but she was like i know but i just feel like i wish i could like you know every parent's like i wish i could take your pain away you know stuff like that but um i feel like explaining my like feelings i guess to her at that age um made her realize and she's like you know I didn't I guess I could have chosen my words different I mean you were a kid you know but I'm like I mean it's okay mom it is what it is you know (laughs) right it's it's so crazy how everything can just get chalked up to how your age you know Mm -hmm. oh you're young you'll you'll learn to to let it go or get past it yeah you know that shit 
And I feel like, like... you guys are great. I'll hold on to this for another 10 years and we'll talk about it drunk. How about that? Right? And end up in family therapy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, you know, a big family fight. Mm-hmm. End up not talking to them for who knows how long. We'll deal with this with alcohol. Yeah. It's no biggie. <laughs> that's how you want it. Right? No. That's all good. But um, at, at that time, where what were you doing for work? Or were you? When I was partying? Yeah, well, you, you say you had that conversation with your mom when you were about 20. Um, so at 20, let's see, I was working retail. I was actually a manager at Torrid. Nice and stress-free, you know? <laughs> right? First job and everything. Yeah. I was there for three months, and they're like, hey, let's uh, bump you up to management. Sure. You know? I was 19 at the time when I took the position. I was like, yeah, cool. My mom's like, don't get stuck in retail. Mm. <laughs> you know, keep going. So, um, and that's kind of where... So I was working retail and stuff like that. Um, my mom worked retail in the same mall. so. Oh, goodness. Yeah. So it was actually kind of funny. So the um, FedEx guy or the UPS guy would come and drop off packages. And he's like, oh, what's your last name? You know, I told him. And he's like, are you related to somebody? You know, my mom used to work at JCPenney's. You know, somebody <laughs> there. I was like, oh, yeah, that's my mom. So we kind of like bonded over that too. But he, it was just kind of stupid. But it was just funny. That's kind of funny. Yeah. But it was just... How it actually kind of came about was, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure it was around holiday season, and, you know, holidays and retail just Mm -hmm. don't go hand in hand. (laughs) No, that's a very chaotic time. Yes. So, I think we were both just having a really, like, stressful day, and, like, me and my mom have the relationship where, like, if we're frustrated, like, we're going to tell each other, Mm -hmm. and then if the other one's frustrated, it's just going to go yelling, 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 (laughs) and then, you know probably end up crying and then like do you feel better yes okay do you feel better yeah all right so now back to the main topic you well, know? still got it down to a science yeah <laughs> no only took so many years right how long did you work in retail she had three months no, no i was there for three months before i got moved to oh yeah i worked wow. in retail for three years holy shit yeah I've, i don't think i've ever done retail so i don't have a clue a lot of being nice to people who are very rude to you. I get to do that every day. Well, there you go. See? Nobody, I'm a customer service, I guess. No, nobody likes seeing me. <laughs> Unless they're stranded and then be like, they're somebody's st- helping me. They're still not happy. You would not believe it. That's all right. So how did you find your way through your 20s working retail? Oh, you did it for three years. So by the yeah. time you were done, 23, 24... I was 22. 22. I had just graduated with my associate's degree. I went to school to be a medical assistant. That's when you started going to school. Yeah, and then I graduated when I was 22. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah. I see. So when I was working retail, I was going to school. Oh, wow. Way to add to that. Right? (laughs) Holy cow. Okay. Yeah. Damn, you jumped into it quick. Yeah. My mom's like, if you don't get it together, I'm going to ship you off somewhere. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to go nowhere else. So school it is. Yeah. Um... So then I was, when I was 22, I graduated. I was a medical assistant. Mm-hmm. I was a medical assistant for maybe about three and a half months. Was not for me. No? <laughs> no, after all that. Um, but I actually ended up working for American Red Cross. So that was kind of the benefit of it. And I ended up with that job, oddly enough, because when I was going to school, we took a field trip to the American Red Cross, and I ran into one of my customers who would shop from me at Tord, and she would only shop with me. Hmm. Like, she would text me and be like, oh, do you work today? I'm like, no, I'll work tomorrow. Okay, I'll see you tomorrow at 12. Okay. Yeah. Fate would have its way. Right? That's kind of nice. Yeah. <laughs> so. And you've been doing, uh, so you went from 
that, which you didn't like. Yeah, medical assistant I didn't like, so then I went to Red Cross. Uh-huh. Um, I worked in the lab for um, storage and distribution. Basically, I got to play with blood bags and send them off to all over the country. Sweet. Or actually all over the world, because we sent a lot of stuff overseas, too. For testing? No, for blood transfusions. We'd send them to hospitals. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't realize that was a thing. I didn't either until I got the job. <laughs> Oddly enough, I applied, got the interview, and as we're going through the interview, they're like, oh, okay, I'm going to show you. And I'm like walking, I'm like, why are you taking me into a fridge? Right. <laughs> it's cold in here. Yeah. Do you mind? <laughs> so they're like, oh, yeah, this is what you'll be doing. And then literally, like, you have a giant box, put the blood in there. I mean, obviously, it's more in-depth, but put the blood in the box, put some ice on there, get your packing slip, put it in there, and send it off. Strange. Yeah, I didn't know such a thing happened no. or, like, existed. <laughs> I feel like it should be, like, a more of a commercial operation. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Just a lady sending blood. Right. <laughs> that's pretty wild. Yeah. Well, the more you know. Right. So. And that's what you do. That's not what you do today. No, that's not what I do today. I've gone through a couple different... <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> We're not shipping blood anymore. Yeah. No. Um, I actually left Red Cross to, and it was in California, to move back here. Okay. So when I moved back here... um. Well, when I was at Red Cross, I was going to school to um, get my phlebotomy license. So, um, and the state of California is a lot more strict than it is out here. Oh, yeah, I believe that. Yeah. So, you have to do your your course, then you do um, an externship, and then you pay money to take the national test, and then you have to submit um, all your documentations, take another test, and then take, um, like, basically showing that you've done, like, so many, like, successful, like, sticks. Or, like, blood draws. Yeah. And then they evaluate, and they're like, okay, you can have California license Holy in. crap. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. So I got my national license in, like, December, but I didn't get my California license till May. Because it took that, but I submitted everything at once. Do you, So do you have that license out here as well in Arizona? Um, I have my national, but I don't have the state of California. Hmm. That's fine. Yeah. We, don't, like, need, we don't need that. No. <laughs> don't plan on going back anytime soon, to be honest. I used to, uh, well, I donated plasma for like almost a year mm-hmm. and I was asking them if they needed like any schooling or anything like to do that and they mm-hmm. were like oh no we just trained them here I was so, like what do you mean <laughs> you just trained them here yeah so oddly <laughs> enough I mean every state is a little bit different uh huh Arizona they're real lax yeah, <laughs> yeah. putting the biggest needle I've ever had in me oh yeah like twice a week and oh, they're yeah. like oh yeah we just uh, we just show them how to do it here and you know send them on their way yeah I'm like, I'm not going to lie, I got very nervous when I had, I've donated plasma like maybe two or three times. Mm-hmm. Um, after the third time, I was like, you know what? I'm very nervous. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to come back. <laughs> um, <laughs> Some of those employees are a little questionable. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm just kind of watching them and I'm like, oh, and they're like, oh, so what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a phlebotomist. And they're like, oh. I do this. <laughs> I do this, but in a hospital. <laughs> if you want me to do it, I'll do it. <laughs> I'm like, I can get it myself, don't worry. Yeah. I just need you to push the button. I gave them uh, my, my left arm for the first time, mm-hmm. and they couldn't find the vein the first time, so they stuck me like three times, couldn't find the vein. Oh. So I was like, you know, just use my right arm. It's fine. We'll just go back to Old Faithful. Left, left one's a little sore. So I came back again, and I was like, hey, you know, try the left arm again, and they finally got the vein on the left side, and it wouldn't pump blood. Oh. All they did was tell me, they were like, oh, yeah, it's, your vein's too small. I'm like, what do you mean? That arm works just fine. Yeah. Go back to the right arm then. I don't know what to say. They're like, let's get the bigger needle and see if it works. And they always ask, do you, do you feel okay? 
Are you dizzy? I'm like, I'm fine. Can we just move forward? <laughs> Keep Stop. asking me these questions. I'm going to start getting dizzy Stop and getting anxiety. Stop stabbing me. <laughs> Put it in the right arm. But it's pretty funny. Yeah. So you, you get to stick people. Or you have. I have. Um, Oof. No, thank you. Oddly enough, I'm like... So I didn't think I was going to like it at first. So when I was going to school for medical assisting, we had a mod, like a module where it was like five weeks of phlebotomy. Mm-hmm. I gave my wor- myself the worst anxiety attack ever. Because I don't, I, well, before then, I did not do needles. Oh. I'm like, no, and they're like, oh, by the way, not only are you guys going to learn, you guys are going to practice on each other. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, it's day two and you want us to poke each other. Have you done this before? No. Okay. You know, and they... That's... You learn together. (laughs) I mean, I guess that's the way to do it. I... It's the same thing with a lot of industries, but that's just personal. (laughs) This is a little more invasive. (laughs) Yeah, I would say so. Now we're (laughs) practicing on sticking each other. Right? You heard me take it real personal, okay? Yeah. Like, this is for when you sat there. I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, no. You're lucky I don't know you on a personal level. That's crazy. Yeah. I don't know if I can... Oh. Ooh. Yeah. So, I was very nervous. Like, I was like, yep, don't think I can do this. Like, I was I was ready to drop out. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you want me You want me to let them poke me? <laughs> did I sign up for this? <laughs> did, where was the... Where did it say that in the contract? Like, the worst anxiety attack. Like, I would wake myself up in the middle of, like, the night sleeping, like, sweating. And it's because, like, I would be dreaming about blood and needles. Like, the worst anxiety attack. And, like, there was one that I was like, I just, I don't remember what happened beforehand and what happened after. I just remember falling, like, off of, like, a building, basically, Hmm. and having a needle in my hand. Like, I'm going to get ready to draw somebody. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I'm like, okay. I didn't want to look too much into it and be like, (laughs) I just chalked it up with, like, my anxiety. But you overcame it. I did. And you let people stick you. I did. Willpower. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, I think that's the more impressive part of it. Instead of running away from it, you made it happen. The first time, this is probably going to sound like a little like odd. The first time I stuck, um, a nature trail is more than a path. It's a place for laughter, self-reflection, and a breath of fresh air. All trails plus helps you plan your next hike so you can relax and enjoy the journey. Discover new trails near you with the distance away feature and get immersive trail previews and offline maps. So you can take those exciting first steps with confidence. Get outside today with three free months of All Trails Plus. Just use code PODCAST23 at alltrails.com slash podcast. That's three months free at alltrails.com slash podcast with code PODCAST23. It's Ram season, which means it's time to serve with Ram 1500, Ram 3500, and Ram TRX. Hurry in now for great deals on the trucks that are built to serve. Right now, during Ram season, get 10% below MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Ram 1500 Laramie. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. Contact dealer for details. Take retail delivery by 531-23. Like my classmate. And got blood. For one, it's like a satisfying feeling. You're like, yes, I got it. (laughs) And this is probably going to sound a little weird. And then you're like, that was fun. (laughs) Well, it doesn't sound weird. Yeah, so I'm like... It's got to be pretty satisfactory. Yeah, and I'm like, okay. So then, um, it became my favorite. Like, my fa- out of my entire, like, schooling, it was my favorite part. I'm like, um, I was telling one of my friends, I'm like, I think I want to go back and be a phlebotomist. And then, hmm. right after school, I didn't have the chance. I mean, I didn't have, like, 
I think the schooling out there at that time was like maybe like two thousand dollars. I didn't have two thousand dollars on me, and they wanted it all print. So I'm like, well, I guess I'm not going to do that for a while. Guess I'll wait. <laughs> Put that on the back burner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went back to get my phlebotomy license, and it was just like, I don't want to say it was like easy, but because I was, I had so much interest in it, it just kind of. It didn't feel like it was school at that point. Right. Like learning. So, um, then when I moved out here, I went work for Sonora Quest for, I'm going to say about seven months, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then I um, got into the hospital setting. So, then I worked as a fall bonus there, became a team lead, and then uh, I actually left that hospital, and I'm now a supervisor at Mayo. So There you go. Yeah. It was uh, a long journey, but got there. Well, see, and and are you happy with those choices? I am, because now that I think about it, I'm like, I don't know. I tried doing a desk job once. Oh yeah. So it kind of happened in the middle of COVID. I thought I don't want to be in the medical field anymore. I was, um, I worked at in the office for 45 days, and 30 of those days I had COVID, so oh. I wasn't allowed in the office. Wow. Yeah, I was like, yeah, this isn't for me. I need to be back. Uh, someone interacting with people. I can't sit at the desk. I need to be, like, running around. Yeah, there are some people that can do desk jobs. There's other people that just can't. Yeah. I would agree with you. I cannot. I tried it for three months. Yeah. (laughs) That was all I got. Oh, well, are you happy with the the job? Is that something that you would do long-term? I think so. Yeah. Um, I definitely think so, because every once in a while, I still get to go and draw patients. Like, um, if there's a lot of hard sticks, like my staff will be like, Hey, I need you to come help me. I'm like, no problem. You know, I go and I'll sit there and help give them like any of my tips and tricks that I've learned for throughout the years. And they're like, Oh, I never thought about doing it that way. So I'm like, I still get some of the interaction, but, um, mm-hmm. see, that's fun. Yeah. Getting, getting to learn how to do things a new way. That's fun. Yeah. Well, that's good. Oh, so that's what you're doing now. And now we're all caught up on uh, your work history, yes. which, which is good. Um, I feel like it's an interview. <laughs> it is, technically. Yeah. Uh, part of getting to know Jade, you know? And there's a lot of questions that I have. There's a lot of a lot of things that I'm curious about, but uh, we have a lot of time to talk about all that stuff. But I'm excited to get to know you on a, on a different level. All the, all the real fun stuff, you know? Right. Um, <laughs> You know, like I said, going back, uh, there's a lot of things growing up that I didn't realize were going to be a result of my past up until so, so recently. I'm only Mm -hmm. 34, and I'm just now picking up on misguided direction, just feelings that you didn't know were there. Yeah. You know, and that that sounds so redundant, but there's like, there's things from all the stuff that you went through. That I'm sure you're not even aware of. Yeah. You know, uh, you desensitize to a certain degree to certain things, and uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a ball of joy to tear into. Right. But that's part of what I want to do here is uh, get into all that stuff, you know. I can tell just by talking to you a little bit that there is a level of, we're not going to say guard. But there's a level of, I'm going to use the word again because it feels right, but there's like a level of desensitization. De- de- is that the right? How do you say that? that like right? being desensitized. Yeah, yeah. that shit. 
So there's there's a level of that that I can I can kind of sense. And that that probably I'm going to guess because of talking to my siblings that probably comes with dealing with children at such a young age. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of one of the things I'm going to go ahead and associate that with is that you just learn to suck shit up and get shit done yeah. at a very early age. So now at this point you're just kind of you got more of a fuck it than anything. Yeah. Well, that and between <laughs> between that and your job because your job is not easy. Doing your job through especially the last three years of this planet's life. Ooh, dear Lord. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. That and just... Um, honestly, like, adapting to situations oh. and not... I don't say taking it too personal, but... I mean, that's probably correct. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the perfect choice of words, actually, now that I say it out loud. And, and unfortunately, that ties into a lot of things. Yeah. You know, uh, and learning learning how to, I don't even know if it's possible, but learning how to turn that stuff off in certain positions, I've I've learned is going to be a lot harder than I realized. Yeah. <laughs> you know, being being shut down to certain feelings after so long. Yeah. So I feel like, even though we say we're shut down to certain feelings. They come back at the most unexpected times. I, I can see that. I can see that, and actually I can I can second that and say probably some of the most unfortunate times. Yes. Not necessarily the right times. Sometimes, honestly, it, it's the most shittiest time that right. it can happen. You right? know, it's it's the times you don't need that shit to come back. Yeah. I, yeah, I totally agree with that. And it's, and it's totally, you don't understand why. Yeah. You know? And that's the hardest part about it. It's not understanding. Because I got a lot of that. And I think that's my biggest issue, too, is that the way I think is, well, I overthink, but it's like, I like to know the why. Mm-hmm. Why does this happen? Why am I doing this? And then, like, that causes me to overthink. And here I am, downward spiral. There goes three hours of my time trying to figure out why. <laughs> um, that could be a night, a whole night's worth of time. Why? Oh, yeah. You know? And then I'm like, yeah. That's when I, when I realized, I'm like, okay, just stop. <laughs> Step away. Just go go do something else. Um, but like how you were saying, it comes back at the most unfortunate times. Like, there's one, like, situation that I was in that definitely, like, reflects that. So, it was middle of COVID. And I, I work graveyard. That's right. So, that's already hard. And then COVID. And then staffing issues. Mm, um, gosh. Yeah, so I would at times be the only like person drawing blood for the entire night mm-hmm. and still having to do like my other stuff on top of that. Um, we, they'd work as long stretches and I think, um, as like a medical professional, we, um, take on a lot of the emotion of our patients, even though we try not to, oh, it comes to a point. I can only imagine. So, um, I just remember this patient, I, I think I was on like my seventh or eighth stretch of overnight, ten to twelve hour shifts, mm-hmm. and so I was already exhausted. I'm um, just an emotional wreck. Um, I mean, I'm probably drinking like more caffeine than water, so that just adds <laughs> to everything. Um, and I was—I just remember I was in my COVID gear, so my N95 mask, my um, face shield, the gown. And then your gloves, so you're having to draw, you're sweating because it's hot. Right. And then you're gowned up in all this. And I'm drawing the patient, and she had, they had a lot of tubes. It was a, um, it was a little bit harder of a stick, so it took a minute. 
And I just remember I started crying. Not just crying. Like, I was bawling my eyes out. And the mm. patient's just kind of looking at me like, are you okay? Right. And then and, they're getting unsettled. Yeah. And then they're like, is everything okay? Like, what's going on? I'm like, I'm like, I'm so, I'm so sorry. Like, it's, I don't know what's wrong. I, the draw's going fine. You know, nothing's wrong with the blood work right now. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we're collecting it perfectly fine. We're taking it to lab. Like, there's nothing to worry about. But I'm bawling my eyes out trying to talk, tell the patient that everything's fine. Jeez. I'm in a COVID room, so I can't have somebody come help me. <clears throat> and I just like. I think I kind of like traumatized the patient, unfortunately, but I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, it has nothing to do with what's going on right now. And I had no clue why I even started crying. I've seen so many instances of, of, of just raw emotion when they pile up, you know, it's almost like you ran out of room mm-hmm. even for that instant for no fucking reason. And, you know, to be completely honest with you, even in my field, in my line of work, um, I have moments vulnerable moments even if i'm alone in my truck dealing with a certain accident or a certain situation or it just sometimes i have to pull over sometimes i have to uh i have to stop and think before i keep driving you know and yeah um i can't imagine what it's like dealing with patient after patient after patient and the implications of that mentally um there's so many so many brave nurses and so many brave doctors that i can't I, I couldn't even fathom. Because I get to pick up the accident. You get to, to deal with the body. And the damage that's done to that. Yeah. So. And, like, how you're saying, like, you can't even think, like, how... Like, you see, like, you said, like, the aftermath of it. Uh-huh. I don't think I'd be able to see the aftermath of that. Why do you say that? Because, honestly, I feel like... One... I think... How do I say this? Just seeing everything, I think it'll it is gonna hit more emotionally mm. than if I were to see the patient. Because when I see the patient, you know, we're drawing like a patient comes in and um, they think they're having a heart attack or a stroke or something like that. They're gonna call it over the the um, intercom, and we we already know rush there, get the blood. Your adrenaline kind of kicks in, mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah, the first exactly. thing that you think is like, okay, you know. Like, if I was in a patient, tourniquet, alcohol, you know, wipe everything out. Just go in that order, and then, okay, this is this. All right, label it, and then out. Let the next people who need to get in, mm-hmm. um, get in, brush it down, and, you know, okay, we hand it off to the next person. And it's like, you know, kind of like a, okay, next in line, next in line type of thing. Mm-hmm. But we also kind of get um, updates, because it's like, in the lab, okay, we have the blood. Okay, there's a critical. We have to call the nurse, let the patient know what's going on. So it's like, every so often we're going to get an update or, um, you know, the nurse is calling, hey, you know, I wanted to recheck this, can you come some, send someone down? So it's like, where, if it was the aftermath, like how you're saying what you see, like, what happened to the, what happened to, what happened here? What happened, you know, are they okay? Where are they at? You know, that's definitely part of one of my, one of my personal struggles is not knowing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, sometimes I'll talk to like the police or whoever's on scene, and they'll tell me a little bit about what happened. If they, if it was a fatal, we know almost immediately, mm-hmm. which is even worse, because yeah. then you know what you're driving up. Well, I shouldn't say that. See, this is that desensitization that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't like it personally, um, but I can see where that would, where that would be a little bit more affecting in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, not knowing definitely plays a part. There's been. Just as an example, a few instances of, like, um, like I think one that sticks out is, like, a rollover. I get to a rollover, and I have to roll the car back over, and uh, 
a car seat falls out of the back seat. Oh, my gosh. And, like, your first... Yeah, exactly. Your first thought is, like, fuck. My heart just sank right now just yeah, hearing that. Yeah, and it, it always, like... It always makes me stop for a second. And I... Like, probably nine times out of ten, I'll, I'll ask the cop, like, hey, where's the fucking kid? Yeah. Is the kid good? You know, yeah, you just gotta know. I mm-hmm. don't know. It's, like, a personal effect. It's, like, an emotional... When there's kids involved, yeah. especially. Or, um... Yeah. You get it. Yeah. But I can't... I, I don't know. I guess it's we could we could switch the role a little bit because like I told you I've been a mechanic for so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a mechanic too. You're just a mechanic for humans. I guess I never thought of it that way. Actually, that's kind of weird. <laughs> uh, one of my friends brought that up to me a while back. You know, she she's a doctor as well. One of my friends' wives, and uh, she said the same thing. She said, "I'm a mechanic. You know, I'm just a mechanic for the human body." Mm-hmm. I was like, "That's a fucking crazy way to look at it." That really is because. Yeah. So I treat the cars the same way that you treat the bodies. That makes sense. Yeah. I I never thought of it that way. It's, pre- it's pretty crazy to think about. It is. Um, and it kind of helps, I guess, a little bit lessen the personal effect. Which I guess it doesn't really need to because you're already there. Yeah. You know? But. Um, so I have a question. So you know how you say, like, oh, um, you know, when you get the calls, when you guys go... Like, for if it's, like, a fatality or anything like that, do you know before you arrive on the scene? Or, like, will they, when they're, when they give you the call, basically, like, hey, this is what happened, there's a fatality when you show up? Or is it you show up and you're unknowing until you get out of the truck and, you know, touch base with someone, they're like, hey, yeah, this happened, it was a fatality. Uh, so, or does it just kind of depend case to case? No, no, if it's, if it's for sure a fatality and there is a body on scene, for one, I'm sure you've seen traffic close down for a half a mile mm-hmm. all the way around. Um, that's a thing. But if there's a if there's if there's a, a dead person on scene, we know about it beforehand. Okay. Um, a hundred percent. If it has anything to do with getting a body out, mm-hmm. we know about it. And if it's, I mean, those are really the only two instances we know if it's what we're walking into, is if we have to help get a body out. Or if there's already somebody that passed away. Um, other than that, it's anybody's guess. I, the only other things that we are aware of is like, well, I guess I would still be considered a fatal, but like, since working with the police and stuff like that, we deal with um, suicides. Oh, wow. Which is difficult, to say the least. Yeah. Say the least, but um, again, same idea, fatal. Um, those, I don't know, it sucks to come up on that, on that scene. It puts, it puts a dark cloud over you. Well, for me, it does anyway. Um, but not knowing kind of, kind of hurts a little bit more. Yeah. There's a lot of times where they're, I've seen, I've seen guys getting worked on on the side of the street. Yeah. You know, paramedics mm-hmm. and just getting, getting shit done. They're trying to save his life right then and there. And that's almost fucking, I'm like, I don't want to see this dude. Yeah. But that's why my perspective is a world apart from yours, and I don't understand how, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I'm I, like, I'm I, trying to wrap my brain around it right now, too, and I'm like, it's just kind two of... Two completely different ends of it with two different emotions. But yet a lot of similarities, too, a, though. A wholehearted amount of similarities that are... Yeah, I don't know. That's, a, that's, that's pretty amazing to me. Yeah. But... It's hard. 
it's definitely difficult. And one of the things you you kind of you become a little bit more aware of the people that are a little bit more guarded because they make jokes about it so often. I will say I am guilty of that. Yeah. I take so I take that back. I'm guilty of trying to play off something that's a little bit more serious mm-hmm. in regards to my own life, not when it's like other people's. Mm-hmm. So, and I think it's just a coping mechanism, to be honest. No, it's and it's totally reasonable. I'm I'm being an asshole when I say <laughs> like I don't like it. I just don't like it. It's just something I kind of have developed a different skin for. Mm-hmm. I just don't talk about it. And some of the guys that I work with are like. You know, they'll all be joking. I have to fake laugh and shit. I have to deal with it. Yeah. I just don't talk about it. That's my own personal thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why. I don't really have a coping mechanism. I just don't talk. <laughs> I used to be that way. Yeah. And it did not work out for me. <laughs> it doesn't work for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I got very angry, very aggressive. I was mean. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into a lot of fights. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when it comes down to it, what I'm doing is really just bottling up how I actually feel. Yeah. You know, I'm not coping. I'm not letting anything out. I I would do the same thing, and I'd be like, oh, I'm fine. It doesn't I'm work fine. that way. No, and then you pop off, and you're like, what happened? And it's like, I, you know, you spilt your milk on the counter, and... And I lost my shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Like, be like, I don't either. That <laughs> random outburst of tears? Oh, yeah. Just from being quiet. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I understand that now. Luckily, there is a few outlets that I, you know, we're able to have. But for the most part, I just, yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's the easier route to go down. Being quiet? Yes, and not talking about it. It's 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 a little it's a little bit different. Well, I wouldn't say, sorry, I'm like, I wouldn't say easier. So, in regards to me, I feel like it was easier for me because... I didn't have to face what I was actually feeling. If that makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. Um, that's definitely. Yeah, I, I'm. It's it's similar. I mean, we're 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 going down the, the same hallway here. Yeah. Um, one of the things, and this is this is actually one of the perspectives that I'm super interested to talk with you about is uh, having. This this could bring out a lot of heat, and I don't mean for it to. Not from you, but in general. Mm-hmm. And I definitely don't mean for this to be, like, any kind of misogyny or anything like that. But in my industry, it's primarily males. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the only two females work in the office. You know, it's just a given, or at least it sh- I, I think it should be. I work with a bunch of dudes that have been doing this. And working in a, in a male-ruled industry, you know, if I, if I were to want to explore how I actually felt... Mm-hmm. Do you know the backlash that comes with that? I do not because I'm you not don't. a male in your industry. <laughs> so, like being in a being in like a masculine industry, you know, you try to express how you actually feel, whether it's finding a dead body in a car or, or the fact that you fucking crushed your arm or whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. any any form of sensitivity. I shouldn't say any form, but most forms of sensitivity are like you're automatically just a pussy, you know. Yeah. You're just being a bitch. It's that whole thing. And that's a whole that's a whole other topic, but it's a whole other side of this that I'm pretty fucking sick of. Yeah. You know, and that kind of leads me down this path. I think that's why I'm pushing so hard for this to become a thing. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily sitting here telling you that I think that everybody should just be able to say how they feel all the time. But I definitely don't think you should be able to fucking hide it all the time either. Yeah. There's a I, time and place for everything. Yeah. And 
I just think it's it doesn't like I'm not I'm not like butthurt about it by any means. It's kind of fucking annoying. I could see that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like there's sometimes that I just want to be able to say what I want to say and I want to conversate about what I want to talk about without your fucking stupid remark. <laughs> or everybody having their own opinion. Yeah. Getting put in. Yeah, like, like I could just deal without your dumb shit right now. Yeah. You're like, I'm just trying to vent for a yeah. second just to clear my mind for at least a good ten minutes. I know it's cool that you think everybody else is a pussy, but we're fine. So I can't, I guess I can't speak on that note how it would be. What is it? Is Would it be any easier? I know, I know that being around, being a female in a female crowd, I've learned over the years is, is sometimes a difficult task. Because of all the emotions? Yes. So is that accurate? Yeah. Um, Which is fine. Nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Um, everybody can have their own different emotion and be at 100. Mm-hmm. And, you know, females are a little more emotional. You say the wrong thing and the world's going to end. Mm. And that, that even happens with female-on-female interaction. Oh, yeah. Like... And I don't honestly know, like, I can't break it down. It's like, why are we like this? Like, why are females like this? And, like, some of them are, like, some of us are so judgmental. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know who you are. I don't know your story. Mm-hmm. But here I am, in the back of my mind, creating your story for you right. of what I think you're going through. Right. In my mind, you're a fucking serial killer. Right? Yeah. And you're like, um, oh, no. <laughs> I just work at the bookstore down the street, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, that's just not, that's not a female thing. We're for sure guilty. We just don't talk about it as much. Yeah. And I think females, I don't want to say just females because I feel like anybody, honestly, but, um, if there's something going on in their life, they would like to deflect it and put the spotlight on somebody else. It's like, oh my gosh, did you hear so-and-so and and -and so-and-so are going through this or going Mm -hmm. through that? And that's when the gossip starts. Mm Mm-hmm. And... You know, I just think it's another form of deflection, to be honest. Well, I wouldn't... That's another thing. I definitely wouldn't convert into just females. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it, I guess it's kind of everybody. I can, I can see... I mean... In that note, I, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of dudes that have been in and out of my life that I would calling females just for doing that yeah that's so wrong <laughs> i shouldn't even say that but but i get what you mean because typically it's a they stereotype it to be like a female definitely stereotype yeah but it's i say things are things are a lot different in this day and age and people are definitely a lot more equal mm-hmm. as far as actions uh wants needs everybody wants to be the same and equal and shit like that yeah but that's probably not a whole lot of stuff we're gonna get into (laughs) but that's okay well i think we've delved into enough to uh to get to know jade a little bit and we have a lot more to talk about yes a lot of topics i'm excited to have you on again like i said um for one good conversation for two your the female perspective is going to be huge to what we're trying to accomplish here i agree so i'm excited to have you on more and more times i'm excited to be here <laughs> yeah you're you're uh episode two 
Ooh. <laughs> Number two recorded. There we go. So, with a lot more to come. I appreciate you coming in. Of course. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> and we'll be back with more exciting stories on Me vs. Me. If you want any information on becoming a guest on Me vs. Me podcast, uh, feel free to email me vs. Me info at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and dabble a little bit in TikTok. So uh, feel free to reach out whatever platform you want, and uh, we'll get back to you. Thanks, everybody. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.